tears on my pillow that won't dry on the road beyond my ears. I've no sorrow, but today I don't walk alone. Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. <clears throat> I am a recovered alcoholic. My name is Jay. Jay. Hi. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation, so please take a moment to get situated. Turn off all devices that will make noise and distract others. We're going to take this time to get connected to God and let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you to stay focused on the step study tonight. So if everybody's ready, we'll have the monks come in and we can start our meditation.
if you would now follow me in the fog light prayer, if this is your first time here and you're not sure what that prayer is, it's up on the screen. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light, so that those who are lost and dying can find your love through me. Amen. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we've discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I have asked Terry to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one. So it's kind of important to know what one is. Please welcome Terry. Hi, Terry. Spiritual experiences. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden spectacular unheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing memberships of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the uneducational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, the friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life. That such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most empathetically, we wish to say that an alcoholic capable of honesty facingly, facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one, no need, no one need have difficulty with the spiritual program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information which is proof against all arguments and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. 
Thank you. Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane or meeting mode. And now I will introduce Paulette. She is here for her 11th session. I always take something home when she speaks. Welcome, Paulette. Gosh, so quiet. Hmm. Alcoholics and quiet don't go together. Uh. Hello, fellow travelers. Eleven step, eleven weeks since we have been together. What a nice time we've been having. So um, this is the eleven step, and um, I would like to get down to it. Um, it's so much in it that I want to talk about and share my experience, strength, and hope on living the eleventh step a day at a time. So we'll see what God says. And I am going to talk about the God of my own understanding. So I, again, I have to preface. Um, if you have a problem with me talking about God, it is my own conception of a higher power. Um, please keep an open mind. If you are not there yet, maybe something that will be brought out of me tonight will help you move you towards the solution. So um, I'm going to do what I always do, or try to do, my set-aside prayer. Um, this was given to me by my previous sponsor, Dorothy H., before she died. And, um, and it has helped me tremendously. And um, there's many versions of it, but this is the one that speaks to my spirit. The set-aside prayer. Dear God, Please set aside everything I think I know about myself. This book, my disease, these steps, and especially about you, dear God, so that I may have an open mind and a new experience with all these things. Please help me to see the truth. Thank you. And I am an alcoholic, and I have a home group, and my home group is the one-day-at-a-time group of Alcoholics Anonymous located in Miramar. My home group meets every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. I am sponsored, and I sponsor. And to me, it's the difference between work and working. I do have a sober date, and my sober date is January 28, 1995, and my name is Paulette. Hello, fellow travelers. So, you know what I'm going to do now. I'm going to read the step as it's written. Because an alcoholic like me likes to make stuff up. And I am not exempt from making stuff up. Stick a word in there cause so I can fool myself thinking that it will work. I will do the work better or it will be easier for me to do what I'm asked to do to save my own life. And step 11 says, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Quite a mouthful if you ask me, but that's Bill. And um, it's really very instructional for us to really pay attention to what this is asking me to do. Um, I forgot the young man's name that read um, the spiritual experience. Terry. Terry. Thank you for reading it so well and precise and to the point. Because you talked about in it, it mentioned tapping the inner resource. And that's what 11 really is about. Tapping that inner resource. That word tap is important. Um, when I let go of the problem, I do not solve a problem. What I do is I free myself for other things. That's a new concept for me. And once I free myself for other things, I can go on with my life. If you are an alcoholic like I am, and I suspect you are, um, if I have a problem, I usually stick with the problem and everything else goes to hell in, in a handbasket. Until that problem is either become 5,000 problems and everybody else has to join in and be miserable with me trying to solve the problem. Because misery love company and I sure love to take hostages. After a period of time when I have given up wrestling with it. And I said okay God you can have it. And I am also have an attitude with it. Because I have got to give it up. You know I couldn't solve it. I don't know if you are like me you know. I have an attitude when I can't do it myself. I still struggle with that. Because there's no such thing as being super sober. I don't believe there is. You, I have to live life on life terms. And, um, and once I have turned it over to God, the minute it happens, the answer comes. God, I hate that. And so um, step 11 is about tapping that unsuspecting inner resources. By the way, that is in from page 569 and 570 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it is important that we get to read those things one day at a time at least. Step 11 is about my awakening to God's will and directions. Allowing it to become alive into my life. And that is a big task for me. But let's talk about what step 11 really is. A combination of all of the other previous steps. That I have taken to get to 11. I had to take step 1 to get to step 2. Because I couldn't see the solution before I know what the problem was. Once I understood the problem, I was able to see that these two steps gave me an understanding that I needed to get to step three, the, the decision. That's the decision. And that decision says I need to turn my will, which is my thinking. And it says I turn my life, which is the sum total of my thinking into action. That is my life. Over to the care of God as I understand God. 
Now that decision in step three was a very important point, um, point for this alcoholic. Very important. Just a decision. But next I had to carry out that decision. And that decision had to do with removing the things that blocked me from this God of my understanding. And what happened is that I couldn't turn my thinking over to the God of, that I have in my life if I had these things blocking me from receiving that help. And if you are like me, my mind is about to get me all the time. So I know that there are things up there that I've got to get rid of, make room for. So I had to get into the action step to find those things about me. I know we all clean up very nicely, ladies and gentlemen, fellow travelers. But I tell you this, it's an inside job. Starts in my mind. And so once I have to get those things that getting to turn my thinking over to the care of God as I understand God and remove the things that have been blocking me from the God of my own understanding, I had to do some, take some action. If you were an alcoholic like me, when you say action, I have to sit and think about it. So before I got into it, thank God for good sponsorship. Step four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, and ten were actually done the way they were supposed to because I had a sponsor who wasn't here to spare my face. He was trying to save my life. And I was serious about getting sober. And not only getting sober, I was serious about living sober. That's a different thing. And so... As a result of these actions, step four to ten, these things were removed from blocking me and I started to receive this, this conscious contact day in and day out. Small amounts of it as I continue to do this. So now that I carry out the decision that I made in three by doing these things to move, the things that were blocking me from re re receiving the sunlight of the spirit, I call it. What happened is, it comes to 11. And this is where 3 and 11 becomes the pillar of the Alcoholics Anonymous program that I live by, which I prefer to call a design for living. It's the two, 3 and 11 I call the two pillars of this nicely woven tapestry, as my friend Doc likes to call it, tapestry that we are now living as one. And so the decision, and then it comes to 11. Now I've got to turn, tune in day in and day out. What happens is that step 11 says, I've got to do it by using prayer and meditation. I don't know about you, but I've never had a healthy prayer life. It was non-existent, to be honest with you. Before I came here, I did not pray unless I was in trouble. It was what we know as foxhole prayers. So that's the kind of prayer life I had before I crawled into the rooms 
and I could not call that a prayer life. And notice I said prayer life. It means it's a living, breathing entity and an energy within itself. And that's the way it feels to me today. And so um, step 11 says I got to use that and meditation, which is going to help me to receive that God's will for me. Now, there's two forces that lives in me. Self-will, God's will. Two, choose. Some days, self-will wins out. Some days, God's will win, wins out. But step 11 gives me the opportunity every day to see those two forces in my life. I know how self-will works because I have, I have my inventory to show for it. I live with you. Some days I'm not a nice person. I know you think I'm nice all the time. Spoiler alert, isn't true. <laughs> Depending on my spiritual condition. And so what happens is he says here, if there are the pillows, 3 and 11, this is going to be helping me to receive the surest help of all. It's going to help me. I have to. This changes my life. This 11 step. When I practice it every day. Changes my life. It changes the direction. In which my life is going. In ways that I don't even know. How it's going to happen. But the faith that I have continuously. Developed along the way. It, Bill Wilson talks about this in a way when he says in fourth step when he talks about my life as being the most important business on planet earth. Eleven says then do something to take care of the most important business in your life. My life. What do I do to take care of it? I've got to go in. And by the way if I don't know how to live this new way of life I better get some directions. And if you're like me, you know when we buy things at the store and it comes with directions, if you're like me, I throw it in the garbage. Because I say, it's, I don't need it. I know how to figure this out. This is not that way of life anymore. So what he's saying is, when we change directions of my, of, of my life, because this is my life I'm talking about. Remember, I stopped taking your inventory. Then I changed my life. And he says in step three, I was willing to turn my directions over to God. And now here I am. My life becomes different. How different is this going to be? I'm going to be tapping into an, in, an unsuspecting inner resources. In step three, I give up my direction. In step 11, I receive God's will for me. In step three, I turn my will and my life over my thinking and the sum total of my thinking into action, which is my life, over to God as I understand him. And what happens in step 11, if I practice it the way it's laid out, I will receive God's will in my life, the power to carry it out. There's two things I'm going to receive in 11. I'm going to receive God's direction and then he's going to give me the power to carry out those directions. 
So I get a twofer. And if you're like me, I like a bargain. You know, I don't know about you. That hasn't changed about me. You know, so it says here now, if I can effectively carry out the directions of step 11, I will have a spiritual awakening. That's what it says to me. A guarantee. All I have to do is practice this and I can start. Now, it takes a lot of work. And I know if you're like me, you hear a lot of work, you start to drag your heels. You procrastinate and you bitch and moan because you're like me. But it takes a lot of work for somebody like me who has never had a regular, continuous prayer life. Someone who I cannot make a 180 degree turn in one day and start becoming a holy Jesus roller. You know, kumbaya, sitting and humming and all of that. It's, it's going to take practice. And practice. And I have to be serious about it. Now, Bill Wilson, I, when I, the, main, the amazing thing about this, I got to know Bill a lot more by um, reading um, um, As Bill Sees It. I, I do that with one of my sponsees. We have been doing this for over a year. We read a, a page every Sunday. And you get to know more about his writings and all of that stuff. You get to know a little bit more of the man's spiritual life. He wasn't a spiritual being. Bill was more scientific. So for him, he struggled with the spiritual concept. And that gives me a lot of comfort to know that the our co-founder was struggling the same way I struggled to get this spiritual angle, to become so aware of this present in my life, to rely on it. So what he did was he scoured a whole lot of books, Asians books of all these philosophers and all of these people and sat down. This is why I believe his writing that he gave to us are divine because he wasn't a spiritual giant. And he wrote it so simply because he understood the alcoholic like me. If you make it complicated, they're not going to do it because I'm not going to do it myself. So he made it real simple. So the spiritual language is so easy, but for me it's difficult because of my mind. Self-will always seems to get in the way. It needs to be tamed. And put under control. And there's only one power I know. And it's the God of my own understanding. And so what he did was. On page 86 of our big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. He says. This is what Bill says. Because he's trying to give it to us as simply as possible. He says. It would be easy to be vague about this matter. He's talking about this 11 step. Connecting with God. Tapping the inner resources. The awareness of God as I understand God. He said it would be easy for me to be vague about it. But it seems obvious to me. This is what Bill says. He wished he could have escaped the responsibility of doing writing step 11. But he understood how serious and important it is for us to get it. 
He said it's probably one of the greatest miracles of this book. That Bill was not an expert at this. So if you're sitting on the fence. And trying not to do 11. Because I have to be perfect. Erase that thought. There's no such thing as perfectionism for alcoholics like us. He said you can take this from anyone. Can do this wherever you are in your spiritual life. And show how this you can do this is develop a healthy prayer and meditation life. Now, this is what Bill says. He calls this our daily exercises. Don't get it complicated. Simple. He says it's our daily exercises, but what he calls it is some definite and valuable suggestions. Sounds like something old timers says. They don't tell you what to do. I'm just suggesting you do this. You know they're telling you what to do. (laughs) Bill is no different. Because he starts with meditation first. And then he comes back to prayer. And then he says, and so for me, I call this the four pillars of prayer and meditation. These four daily exercises. They are the pillars of my prayer and meditation life. My prayer and meditation life has a life of its own today. But I'm going to tell you how important it is to start and continue. And you're going to fall off because you're like me. In the night, he says, first one. First daily exercise, night. Nightly review. He suggests strongly that we do nightly review. Why? He says it relates to what I do at night. In order for me to develop a spiritual life, I need to know something about what I've done through the day. Where I come from. What have I done? Did I do God's will or did I do self-will? And where I'm going? This is something I do for about five minutes at night. Last night I did it with my friend. We were on the phone for an hour and we talked about our nightly review. We didn't call it that. Because when you have developed this wonderful way of life, you don't even call it a review anymore. It just comes. And so it gives me, my nightly review provides me with evidence. And I know you're like me. You need to see proof that this thing works. What was my day like? Oh, I had a day today. Oh, oh my God. I wanted to kill the nursing department. You would have seen me on the the, the cover of the nightly news. All in my head. Because what was in my thinking was turned over. Into what the God of my understanding wanted me to be. And I had to pivot into doing that. Be of service. Be kind. Don't shame people. No matter how much in my head says, that's an idiot. Kill that idiot. But you said, how can I help you? Follow it this way. 
let me sit with you. And I had somebody who just typed with one finger. And so I'm sitting there and I'm starting to count sheep because I'm thinking, this is a way of life that what I'm thinking don't come out of my mouth. Because I want to remember what it is like if I was in that person's shoe. How would I want to be treated? And so I said, I have to think about what is fresh in my mind that's taking, that, that taking place today. Because you see, I don't know what my future is anymore. I stopped thinking 10 years ago ahead. See, I don't stay, I stay in the moment, I'm present. You know how we used to plan ahead and we haven't even finished the day. I don't live like that anymore. My future is unknown. I don't know what is current, what is the current evidence of my day. Nightly review gives me that. It says that if I am, if my thinking is my life, then I can look at today and see the results of what my thinking gave me. That's a nightly review. Simple, isn't it? Don't complicate it, Paulette. Each day I have, I will always have the same two forces I talked about in my life. Self-will and God's will. Choice. Choice. In 10 it says, I will learn how to use the proper use of the will. Only when I align my will with God's will. That's the proper use of the will. 11 prayer and meditation allows me to learn how to do it. Because I am what Bill calls, I am in spiritual kindergarten. I get that. And so what happened is that if each night I can check to see if the God of my understanding direction is growing in my life. That's a nice thing to know for. I can see it. Or if it doesn't happen, I know what to do. Because when it happens in my life, I know how it makes me feel inside. And so some days I will find that self-will has caused me problems. Didn't I tell you about the amends I had to, to make the other day? That's self-will. These things are very important in the business of living. And that's the kind of life I have to live today. I'm in the business of living. I, I, my life is the most important business on planet Earth. And so I never, I'm never going to be perfect. So I got to practice it. Now, the morning comes. That's the second suggestion. A.M. I don't spend no more than five minutes in my morning. I don't. Sometimes I do spend a little bit more. But most of the time it's five. But it says upon awakening. It doesn't say go make the coffee first, Paulette. It doesn't say go down and check the weather. It doesn't say turn on the television. It says upon awakening. This is what I need to do. I need to remind myself that I am in a covenant with the God of my understanding. You see, my mind works is devious. Because when I open my eyes, the first thing I have is a running checklist of all the things I got to do for that day. 
And on that list, I still got a few people that I'd like to check off. Along with the task and the responsibility. As soon as I open my eyes. What this has done for me, it's allowed me to say, thank you for sharing. I think I'll pass. Good morning, God. It automatically drives me into that morning that I am about to be in covenant with the God of my own understanding. It is a relationship that is intimate. It should be checked. I don't know about you. Do you remember when you started dating? That love of your life? How you were nice? How you treated them kind? You bought them all kinds of things? You were looking out for them. You knew what their favorite song were. I mean, you courted them. Even if the relationship was for a week. Because alcoholics like us can't go like long term. Um, but you remember how you treated that person. That person and your waking moment you thought about them. And as soon as you, you turn your head... Some, some smell, some sense reminded you of that love of your life. Remember, it's just a week ago you found them. But you're madly in love, right? Well, that's the kind of relationship I'm talking about with my higher power. I have to develop that kind, that when I turn my thoughts, I automatically think about God as I understand God. I hear a certain, I smell something. I think of God as I understand God. I see you and there's something about your behavior. And I see God as I understand God in you. You know, I used to think about this years ago. I would choose the people who I wanted to hang out with in AA. I have come to understand this a couple years later. That I was blocking God's will for me. By choosing, pick and choosing the people I want to hang around. Because I don't know which one of you have a message for me. God, as I understand God, speaks through everyone. And it's the worst person in the world, as I think, that's going to give me the best message. Because I believe the God of my understanding is in everyone. So I don't want to block that. So I have to open myself up to let you in. But now I'm safe and protected. Ten tells me that. So I don't have to fear you. Because I'm not doing things to make you mad at me. And if you're mad at me, it's not my problem. It's your problem. You know, and so if I'm living that kind of life, I don't have to be discriminate about who I let into my space. Because I know that I have boundaries. So when I am doing my morning, what I do is, because remember, I get up in the morning, I used to just get dressed, get a shower, brush my teeth, have my coffee, do the things I like to do. And yet I would neglect my spiritual health. I would dress up the outside and never take care of this. And I would go out in the world unarmed to face a world without any kind of protection. I would be out there at my own risk. In the morning, I suit up and I go to God and here is my prayer. And it comes from one word in there. O-N-L-Y. 
So those of you who carry a whole list of your prayer in the morning, get rid of it. All it says is, I pray only. It means only. Oh, I wrote it on it. I looked it up. <laughs> Exclusively. Solely. It says definite, distinct, only. I pray only for the God of my understanding, will, knowledge of his will, and the power to carry out whatever that will is. That's all I'm supposed to pray for. So if you have a wish list, burn it. Do not be that child with the Christmas list because God is not Santa. (laughs) Only knowledge of his will for me and the power to carry it out. Because I guarantee you, anytime the God of my understanding provides me with whatever he wants me to do that day, I usually have to pause because I know It's something that is not ordinarily easy for me to do. Because my ego wants to tell me something else. Right? And so, what I have to do is to do this. He says, I need to realize that what God is doing for me and his will for me is always good. Always good. Why do I not remember that? Always good. Constant repetition. And so that's something that I always try to tell myself. Because all my life, I have never told a lie that I didn't know it wasn't a lie. Be honest. It's an honest program. I am telling you the truth. So now step 11 says, I am now awakening to God's direction. I am tapping the inner resources. That's where I'm getting that from. Deep down in, inside of me is the fundamental idea of God as I understand. Has been obscured by calamity, pompous, all of that egotistical material stuff that I covered God with. And here in 11, I get to build an intimate relationship that is God as I understand God and reliance on God. And this is important for me because what I need to remember is that if I depend on God as I should, all I have to do is depend on God as I should. Do whatever it work is for for me to do. Then I know I'm working 11 as it's supposed to be. The next thing is that I have to tell you is the next part of it is, and it needs to, I need to tell you this, indecision. A big stumbling block for me. Indecision. Because I want the answer now. I still want this now. Especially if you're waiting for a big deal to come through. I got to make this decision, God. I don't bar- God I, it never told me to bargain. This never gave me direction not to bargain. It tells me that if I think about it. I am in decision. I go to the God as my understanding. And I said, God, I don't know what to do. Please help me. And then I let it go. And do what is in front of me to do. 
My sponsor used to tell me, clean your house while you're waiting for God. I'm sure it'll be spanking clean. And I used to have a resentment about that. But, you know, but it means I need to get busy because I already put that in decision. Because you know how you, we used to get hunches and inspiration? I still do. But they're not always reliable. Step 11 allows those hunches and inspiration to become a working part of my life. So that I know that it is normal to get a hunch and an inspiration. Because I know that I have been practicing this day in. Five minutes at night when I do my nightly review. Five minutes in the morning when I sit with God as I understand God. Just opening up myself. This is what I'm telling you works for this alcoholic. Sometimes I increase it, sometimes I don't. But the days that I don't do it, I'm in trouble. Because now I am unarmed. So the trick is to keep showing up. Keep being responsible for your own spiritual health. And what happens is if you keep doing what you're supposed to do, I guarantee your life is better. It's a guarantee. And if you're like me, I'm an alcoholic that likes guarantees. And this is chock full of guarantees for me. So if I am standing on the willingness foundation, which is step one, and all the other steps are in, in lined up the way they're supposed to, and the keystone is locked into place, then my two pillows of 3 and 11 with my prayer life is going in. I'm going to tell you this because I'm getting down to the wire where I have to close up. The lab. I was six years sober. And I had stopped doing this. I have stopped enlarging my spiritual life. I started to chase material success. I started to put back the things that I should have gotten while I was drinking and did not. I went back to school to finish my degree. I wanted to have the kind of life that I wanted when I was 18 years old. So I was trying to make up for lost time. This life is not like that, but I tell you I did it for you. And I was coming on, I lived in Brooklyn, New York. And I got on the train, the D train to take me to lower Manhattan where my school was located. And in that moment, the train stalled. And I'm giving you the quick version of it because some of you have heard my story. But in that moment, because I was chasing material success and my spiritual life was nailed I had stopped going to meetings. I kept sober friends in my life. I stopped reading. I didn't sponsor. I didn't do service. And I rationalized all of that. Ne all of that didn't say good morning. God never asked for help from God as I understand God. Forgot who got me sober and have kept me sober. It was all about me. And so in that six years of sobriety, I would call myself dry. If you struck a match, I would blow up in flames. And what happened was, I was in that place where selfishness and self-centeredness just grew. And I was not nice to be around, much less to live with. 
And I got on that train because the train was late. And in my head, I was already writing a letter to New York Transit to tell them to fire everybody because they have no right to make us late for our commitment. How dare they? This is the kind of egotistical, diabolical person I had turned into six years without a drink. That's how I call it. That's not sobriety. And what happened was we got slowly but surely... We got into lower Manhattan with a lot of hitches. And the train stopped at Rector Street, if you know lower Manhattan. And in that moment, it didn't dawn on me. That's how selfish and self-centered I was. That something bigger than me was happening outside. This is how my disease works. It just eliminates and isolates me from the world. So that I am living in my own head. That we are cursing and I'm cursing coming up the stairs. All of us. And as soon as we enter the last steps of Rector Street Station. The second tower came crashing down on all of us. It was 9-11. New York was being attacked. And I was in the middle of it. Darkness. Just as my mind was dark. Burning flesh. People falling down, you're standing there, you don't see anyone, but you know you're stepping on bodies. This is what happened to me in the midst of all of that. And at that moment, here is how my God shows up. Did not even give me an opportunity to even think about it. Never once did a thought of a drink ever cross my mind or a mood altering substances. All I could say to God, please help us. And out of that cry, comes a white hand and a black hand. Can I hold your hand so that the three of us can crawl our way out of this place? This is what happens to me in the midst of no spiritual life. And I, we crawled out over the Brooklyn Bridge on knees, planes flying over because we had no idea whether it was enemy or, or friend. For our friend. And crawled over to the end of the Brooklyn Bridge with these three souls. We are clinging to each other just like we cling to each other in Alcoholics Anonymous. And at the end of the bridge, I drop to my knees and I say, God, I am going back to AA. Nothing else mattered at that moment. Meanwhile, Alcoholics Anonymous was at my house with Ed and Akeem taking care of them. And I wasn't going to meetings. And as I crawled my way back down to Prospect Park in Brooklyn, I'm holding on to these two souls. I keep saying, God, if you get me back to Alcoholics Anonymous, I promise I'll do everything you say. And this is what happened to me. My friend, Beth Fee, who was still sober, took me to 11-step meeting 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning for one year. Took me to lunch. She was a vegan before it was hip. <laughs> and she fed me not only physically, but spiritually. I know what it is like to be spiritually bankrupt. I don't ever want to ever give up that again. 
My experiences have been lessons learned. Step 11 says, if I tap the inner resources every day, just five minutes, I will be more than well rewarded. And so what happened is this thing that they said I need to do, these valuable suggestions that Bill says that I must pray, my prayer has got to be devoid of ulterior motives. No strings attached. I learned how to do it out of 9-11. I am a satisfied customer because I like the relationship that I have with my higher power. And I thank you, God, that you guys put up with me enough and showed me. Thank you, Beth B, wherever you are, what it looks like to be an alcoholic that has a very well-developed spiritual life. Thank you. Let's thank Paulette one more time. And now let's welcome David for the secretary's report. Hi, my name is David, and I am your <clears throat> your alcohol your and I am your recovered alcoholic secretary. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. Uh, we also have QR codes on the back of, of uh, some of the chairs if you'd like to contribute through Venmo. Uh, and I have asked uh, Freddie to come up and read the recovered statement. Hi, everyone. Freddie, alcoholic. Hi, Freddie. Hi. Uh, recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind, rather than in the body, Page 23. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering and what exactly it means to be a recovered alcoholic. 1940s big, big book style sponsorship from the forward to the second edition of Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% plus success rate. Is there anyone in the room needing a sponsor? 
Okay. Um, if you'd like, um, you can come up, uh, stand by the piano at the end of the meeting, and somebody will come over and speak with you. Okay? Thanks. Uh, can I have a show of hands of recovered alcoholics? Okay, we like to suggest that if your hand is not raised, that you make an attempt to hang out with those who are, whose hands are. Um, so, uh, Broward County Intergroup uh, is where you can buy AA-related literature and medallions. Uh, it is also responsible for creating our where and when and scheduling the AA hotline. Uh, stop by and visit them. Next. Broward County Institutions Committee is, is responsible for bringing uh, meetings into places where people like us can't get out to an AA meeting, such as jails, detoxes, and rehabs. They meet monthly to organize the meeting schedules at the 12-step house. And their meeting is the second Saturday of every month at uh, 10 a.m. Uh, do we have anybody from BCIC here? Okay, uh, so um, you can talk to Jay after if you're interested. Um, here are some upcoming service opportunities. The 2023 Intergroup Appreciation Banquet will be having their next planning meeting on March 22nd, uh, Wednesday, at 6 p.m. And our next speaker is uh, Bobby R. We have, uh, Paul, we have Paulette <laughs> for uh, one more week, and then we have Bobby R. starting on the 30th. Um, and of course, there's our, mid, uh, our Monday night uh, big book study group. We are still uh, near the, the uh, beginning of the book, and we'd love it if you join us. The meeting is at 7.15 on Mondays on the third floor of this building. So please come uh, and join us. Thanks. Those who wish to thank Paulette can line up down the center aisle, and we're going to close seated with the Lord's Prayer. Who woke us up this morning? Lord in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. See you guys next week. Body's heavy, soul is thirsty, body's aching.
shining through But when you crying This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of 
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Sing along and stop. 
stomp their feet and raise their arms. song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Just won't set me free. Well, clap your hands if you leave me, too. 